Good morning again, church. We want to thank you again for joining us this morning online. And as we worship together, you can turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and as we go there this morning, just uh, again want to remind you that we are planning to meet again in person at the Barsmill Church of God starting May 31st. Um, on that Sunday, things are going to be slightly different than normal, and uh, we're going to do that because uh, our first priority is to worship God, to offer our hearts to God and worship, and then our priority is also that, uh, to the best of our ability, that we provide a, a healthy and safe environment for our people to be able to worship. And um, as we do that this this beginning this week, and for a, a temporary period of time, we have felt led that uh, we should do two different services, and we're doing that so that we can reduce the amount of people in the room. We're going to have a service available at 9 o'clock a.m. on Sunday morning, and then another service at 11 a.m. Uh, and we'll be cleaning the room between those services. We're actually going to meet in the fellowship hall. Uh, we're doing that because uh, we can wipe down the chairs. We can just everything in the room we can clean between the services so that uh, when the second service comes in that you have a, a room that is uh, fully clean. Um, so this week we will provide uh, the opportunity for you to uh, sign up online to tell us what service you're going to be going to. We're doing that just so we have an idea how many people are going to be uh, at each service and we can plan accordingly. So we will have uh, we will have a video that will come out uh, the beginning of this week that will walk you through how to sign up online. If you don't have access to the church website or anything like that, that is no problem. You could call the church. You can uh, text Lynn or I, somebody, just letting them know which service uh, you're planning on coming to and how many people will be coming with you. Uh, so as we worship this morning, uh, as we look into God's word in worship, I, I want to talk about the concept of worship because that's what we're, we're, we're starting to get back into here together this next week. We're going to be coming together to fellowship together in worship. And now that is a significant thing. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with uh, the, the, the video avenue. God can still work through videos. God can, God can work as we are at home, as we worship individually. Uh, but there is something that we receive when we come together as the body of Christ that we can't get on our own. There is, the, the church was never meant to just be on their own, to be uh, individual members that are separated, but we are to collectively come together uh, and to function as the body of Christ in fellowship, in unity, and to worship God in that way. And again, there's something more that we receive that we would not receive on our own. If there's some greater connection, there's some greater encouragement, there's some greater glory that we experience in worship as we are committed to a body of believers rather than simply being on our own. Uh, and I want to talk this morning about that uh, as we come together to worship, the, the thought process, the things that should be going through our minds, the, the disposition of our heart as we come together in worship. Um, so we're, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, but before that we go there, I just want to take a look at just Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, just very, very briefly. 
it's, it says, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty. Uh, do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. So what he's saying is guard your steps when you go to the house of God. What he starts off by saying here is it is significant. When you go to the house of God, when you go to worship, the priority, first of all, isn't you. Guard your steps. You are the one who is approaching God. You are the one, number one, recognizing we never should have been able to approach God in the first place, that we we're sinful beings, that uh, the only way that we have the opportunity to approach God in the first place is by His mercy and grace and goodness that has extended us the opportunity to have peace with Him through Christ. It is by His goodness and mercy alone. There is nothing we could have done to ever merit the presence of God. So we are the ones who are approaching Him. So that being the case, don't get arrogant. Don't start thinking things are about you. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. That's what he's saying. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they are doing. So guard your steps. Be aware of your spiritual condition. Make sure that you are approaching God in worship on his terms and not your own. And that goes every one of us. Every one of us who enters into worship we go guarding our steps, being aware of our spiritual condition, making sure that we are approaching God, not on my terms, not based on what I receive, but based on what we are offering to him, approaching him on his terms. And what I want to look at this morning is one of those terms, one of the things that is essential to the body of believers, essential even to individuals, to be able to approach God in worship. There are conditions of our heart that need to be met first. We're going to talk about that uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 21. It says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to uh, a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. So what he is saying here, what what the point is here is, uh, uh, I can't remember what commentary uh, said this. Uh, I should have written that down, but it said, a man who can say you fool to a fellow man is revealing a state of heart which will fit him for hell in the end. Not the relatively slight offense of calling a brother a fool, but the serious sin of feeling contempt endangers a man's future. So it's not just simply a matter of somebody flippantly saying you fool, but it's a matter of the condition of somebody's heart reflects, uh, or the, the things that come out of our heart, the things that we say are a reflection of what is in our heart. And what he's saying here, the serious sin of feeling contempt endangers a, man fu a man's future so that we can just uh, so easily sometimes uh, say things about other people or rip somebody down uh, or assume the worst about somebody, that we can so easily do those things, that feeling of contempt uh, or the disposition of contempt that leads us to those uh, saying things about or assuming things about the feelings of contempt endanger a man's future. So what he is saying is this is uh, the, the fertile soil for Satan to plant uh, whatever he would within you to lead you to destructive ends. This is uh, this disposition of heart, having this contempt, 
that would flow out of us in saying things about others or uh, uh, that, that we would assume the worst about situations and others. That feeling of contempt within our heart, that is what breeds uh, destruction uh, within our hearts, the hearts of individuals and in the church. You see, we have to look past surface level within our hearts. This is why he says, uh, again, if we went back to Ecclesiastes, he says, guard your heart when you go to the, the house of the Lord. Know your heart, know your spiritual condition. But that takes careful analysis on our part and opening ourselves for the Spirit of God to search us. What I mean by that is it is very, very simple for us to just uh, be surface level Christians, surface level believers, where we just go on doing the things that we normally do and totally miss the true depth of what is contained within our hearts. Uh, some people will go their whole lives while missing some of the things within their hearts that keep them from stepping into a seriously intimate relationship with God. One of those things would be this, justifying the ways that we might talk about somebody or easily just call somebody a fool or the ways that we uh, might assume the worst about others. This is a significant thing. This That's not a light thing. He's saying right in Matthew chapter 5, again in verse 21, he says, uh, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. But Christ then goes on here in verse 23 and takes it a step farther. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. The first thing that we see here is the significance that God places on brother, brotherly uh, love between uh, believers. The, the significance that God places on the fellowship of believers. Uh, the significance that he places on our relationships with one another. What he is saying is, if you know there is something that is going on between you and another believer, it is not possible for you to worship me with the disposition of heart that is necessary for me to be glorified by you in your worship and for you to receive from me. What he is saying is, you, if there are situations that are going on around you, don't just brush them under the rug, but confront these situations. And I'm, I'm not talking about confronting, like, I'm going to go tell somebody what I think and rip them apart, but confronting, not being passive and pushing something to the side, but acknowledging that this situation exists and it needs dealt with so that I might be in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. And in that, then, God is glorified in me and the church is glorified in God because we walk together in unity. See, it is not, the unity of the church is not something that we can ever manufacture. It is not something that we can ever just, uh, decide that we are going to we're going to do this and this and this so that we can have unity or uh even considering um you know i i've heard situation before where sometimes churches would have 
multiple services and they feel like they're not united. We don't have to necessarily be in the same place doing the exact same thing to be united. What he is saying is the church together glorifies God as it is in united in him. You see, for a church to be walking in unity, it takes each individual member deciding that they're going to walk in a right relationship with God, and then out of that, walking in a right relationship with others. And to walk in a right relationship with others means that I acknowledge if there are issues, and I do whatever I possibly can to deal with those issues, uh, to bring peace in those issues, to to uh, uh, heal issues. I do whatever it takes for those situations to be healed and dealt with so that I might be able to walk in intimacy with God. That's what he is saying here is for me to have intimacy with God, I have to be willing to uh, deal with situations in a godly way with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the significance that God places on fellowship in godly relationships with other humans, is that my relationship with him, my worship of him, him being glorified in me, depends on my right relationships with other people. So he says, therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled, and then come offer your gift. What he is saying here is not even just if you know that you have done somebody, but if you know somebody has something against you, if you know there is some sort of discord and it is in your power to deal with it, God is saying, you go do this, make this right, and then come back and worship me in spirit and truth. Uh, that is where we find intimacy with God is when we are willing to walk in right relationships with the people around us. Uh, so, the Bible, again, tells us that in order to worship God acceptably, we must be just in our relationships with our fellow men. We must be right in our relationships with other men. Uh, the second thing we see here is that our worship is only acceptable to God when we do all that we can to walk in peace with others. Uh, it is our duty then to seek reconciliation if there is somebody that we have harmed in any way uh, then this should be done before we attempt to worship God uh, and then understanding that sometimes I think we have to recognize that there are times where we do things over and over in churches we might Maybe we sit through devotions, maybe we read uh, the Bible and we don't feel like we're getting anything from it. Or we go to the church and we just don't feel like we're getting anything from it. Number one, recognizing that uh, everything we do isn't about how we feel. But two, maybe I'm not getting anything from my devotion times. Maybe I am not. don't feel like I'm receiving anything in my local congregation Maybe I can look back on the last five years of my life and see that I haven't taken any steps farther in God. Maybe those things are because I allow myself to harbor bitterness towards others. I allow myself to see that there are discord in relationships around me and I do nothing about it. I just be, I, I just choose to be passive and allow those two things to exist in discord. You see, what he is saying is, 
for us to have communion together between me and God, for us to have communion together, it is significant, it is important, it is vital that you look honestly and truthfully at the situations around you, the people around you, your relationships, and make sure that you are walking in peace and in, in a healthy relationship if as far as you possibly can. Uh, now, the issue is sometimes we don't make any attempt. We are content to just leave things and to, to exist in discord and continue to go on about uh, the business or what we call the business of the church, doing the things that we normally do. We will never experience true worship. We will never, never experience the glory of God being revealed to us as long as we choose to allow things to continue in a dysfunctional way around us. Uh, now, on our part, that takes us being able to forgive others when they have injured us in some way. Matthew 6 says this in verse 14. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is an amazing thing that the scripture states. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you do not forgive other people their sins... You will not be forgiven. Why is that? Because the mercy of God that is offered to, hum to uh, humanity is so uh, beyond what we can imagine. That we were all, every one of us was equal in that we were sinners walking in this helpless place where there is nothing that could have ever brought about transformation in us. There's no way we ever could have worked hard enough to reform behaviors to be good enough. We were utterly hopeless, the same as every other person across the face of the earth, across all time since the beginning. They have been utterly hopeless without God. Because the mercy of God has spoken to me in that way, and I've received it then, how, how much of a slap in the face that would be to God then if I would turn around and choose not to forgive others when they have injured me. You see, the things that God has offered to me, He expects me then because of His goodness, because of His love that He works in me, that He is restoring His image and character in me. Because of that, He expects me then to offer mercy and grace and goodness and love and justice the same way that it has been extended to me. But you see, that takes us being able to look honestly at relationships around us and being able to admit to ourselves and others when something needs to be dealt with. Uh, the Bible goes on then in this uh, uh, same theme and talks over and over about the sacrificial love of God that should overflow in the hearts of every believer. Romans 13, starting in verse 8, says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Uh, the commandments, you, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever uh, other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. You see, that is the only debt that we have then in Christ. As we are purified in him, as our sin is forgiven, the only debt that remains is the debt to continue to sacrificially love 
one another in every moment of every day, in every conversation we have, in the ways that we think about other people, we have a debt to sacrificially love other people. And that sacrificial love means that it is offered based not on what I receive uh, or what I get in return. It is offered to others. Whether they choose to respond in that same love or not, it is still my debt to offer them the sacrificial love of God. Uh, so the love of God is poured into our heart by his goodness and mercy. And then he expects us to offer that to others. And again, understanding that a significant part of worship then, as we come together, as any church comes together, as the church universal, the saved in Christ all over the world, function together, the signif a significant part of that worship is how we interact with each other. How we extend grace and love and mercy to each other. That is not something that is a separate issue. It is directly linked to uh, me offering myself to God in worship. How I think and interact with other people. That is absolutely directly linked to God being glorified in me uh, in worship. Romans 12 Starting in verse 9 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, and I was telling somebody a couple of years ago, um, after hearing a list of all of the things that uh, they didn't like in the church, I mean, it was a large list. I'm not talking about our church. I'm, it's just it was a conversation in a different different uh, place. But I was thinking about that, and I was telling somebody after that I am absolutely convinced that we will never fully see God's glory working in and through the church the way uh, where the Bible says He can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I'm convinced that we will never see immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine in the glory of God working in and through the church until we are able to walk in these things as the church. Our love being sincere, hating what is evil, clinging to what is good, devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above ourselves. When we can finally, in, in truth, I can look in my heart and see that I truly desire to honor other people above myself. And that's not those who, uh, with whom it comes easy to honor. There are some people that our personalities don't seem to match up. But I am commanded, biblically, to honor them above myself. Colossians 3. This is another passage where I am convinced that we will see the glory of God working in immeasurable ways if we are able to get to this point in interacting with each other. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance uh, against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and all over, over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. You see what this comes down to is God is calling each one of us to interact with each other in sacrificial love. Now that sacrificial love expressed 
uh, in my heart expressed towards others leads me to the place where I understand that I cannot acceptably worship God in spirit and truth unless I am doing every single thing in my power to walk in love, uh, in, in peace, in fellowship with other believers. That is absolutely essential to worship, is my heart being directed towards God, desiring to walk in righteousness, a right relationship with Him, and then looking at others and desiring to walk in a right relationship with them. First John chapter 4, starting verse 7, says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. He says, this is love, in verse 10, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says also that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What this is saying is that God loved the people that didn't necessarily in that moment reciprocate that love. He says, Dear friends, since God has so loved us, in spite of our offenses, in spite of us turning our backs on him so many times, since he has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God completes his work in us. He completes his work of uh, uh, establishing his love, his character as the foundation of our, our being. He completes that work as we make a decision to walk in sacrificial love directed towards God and directed towards others. In this then, the church walks in unity as each individual member decides to look off to God and honor him and honor others in light of who he is as each individual member looks off to God in that way and not to each other. We don't look at each other. We look at to God in that way. Then we are brought together in unity and the church walks in completeness as God completes his work in transforming the foundation of who we are to walk in his sacrificial love. He completes all of that as we make a decision to walk in a way that would glorify him. And simply, again, recognizing that as the point of what we are coming back together, we are coming back together to fellowship, to, to hear God's teaching, to worship him together. The only way to do that effectively is each individual member looking off to God, honoring him, and then honoring others as I walk in the sacrificial love of God. That is utterly essential uh, to worship in everything that we do as a church. If we cannot do that, there is nothing that we can do that is effective or has any eternal value. 
The amazing thing about this is that God has not left us to ourselves to complete this. He has not left us to ourselves to just try hard enough uh, to walk in his sacrificial love. But he is, again, as we have talked about, he has given us his advocate, his spirit, his helper, his helper to dwell within us forever and guide us and teach us and transform us. We walk in the spirit of God. We walk in righteousness towards God. We walk in righteousness towards others. And in that, then, we will see God do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. God, we thank you again today for the opportunity to worship you. And we thank you that, uh, again, we will be able to come back together and worship, to fellowship together and worship. Father, help us to commit our hearts to you. Help us to uh, offer ourselves to you in worship first, that we wouldn't look first towards what we can receive in worship, but everything that we have within our being, we would lay it on the altar before you and allow you to have your way within us. Father, if there are any relationships around us that need healed, if there are any people around us with whom we are not walking in peace, bring that to light. Father, help us to not just uh, brush that under the rug or ignore it or try to justify it, but Father, help us to be able to to uh, through your grace to be able to heal, heal relationships and walk in a way that we honor others above ourselves. And in that, Father, then, that we would see your glory. Father, we love you today. We thank you for all that you have done and what you'll do as we walk with you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.